face diaper off and listen. It's the Charlie Kirk Show. Hello, everybody. Email us directly, freedom at charliekirk.com. With us is Dr. McDonald, author of United States of Fear. Doctor, help me understand how a generation of parents could willingly destroy their children's future and still continue to do so through mask mandates, vaccine mandates, school closures, and all the other things because they are afraid. Help me understand that. Back in May of 2020, the first time that I spoke publicly, I was at an Orange County School Board of Education meeting. And the subject was, should we reopen the schools or not? This was you know, a month or two into the pandemic. Schools were shut down. We were really shocked that they were not yet open. <laughs> Little did we know that they would be closed for nearly two years in most parts of the country, certainly Democrat-controlled parts of the country. And this was Orange County. This is a largely conservative Republican area. I went to the meeting and I listened for several hours. I was almost falling asleep, exhausted. By 10 p.m. it ended. And they said, would you stand up and please just summarize what your thoughts are about this? And I said the following, which was later picked up by the Wall Street Journal in the notables and quotables section. And I said something like this. Why are we here? Why are we discussing school opening, school closures? We're here because we, the adults, are afraid. We are scared. And we are letting down our children. We are abandoning our responsibilities to care for them. We are projecting our anxiety and our fear into our children. We are treating our fear through them. We are sacrificing them. We are using our children as an escape from our own problems. Two years later, we're still in the same position. Still projecting their own fears, their own anxieties onto their children. For the first time in history, we are telling children that they must sacrifice for the safety of adults. The young must sacrifice for the old. When has this ever happened before in any civilized society? It's insane. It's self-destructive. It's antisocial in its very core. The reason why this is still happening, in my view, in my opinion, is that adults have still not stood up, looked at themselves in the mirror, and admitted that they're sick, that they're scared, that they're anxious. That's okay. That's the first step towards a recovery. It's admitting that you have a problem. It's admitting that you have harmed yourself and harmed others, including your children, and that you want to do something about it. You want to make amends and you want to move forward. Not enough adults have done that. Too many adults are still so ensconced into this view of fear and anxiety and panic they're doubling and tripling down. They are invested in it. They're throwing good money after bad, and they don't want to stop. And they seem kind of uninterested in what is now the sickest and most suicidal generation in history. That's not all parents. We have plenty of wonderful parents that listen to our program. But that is a majority. It is. If you look at the polling, if you look at school closures, you look at mask mandates, you look at the Denver suburbs, you look at Orange County even, you look at Manhattan or you look at the surrounding areas of Portland, uh, there are suburban moms in particular that are super worried that their seven-year-old isn't wearing a mask. And they also just seem kind of unwilling to do something about it. And I think some parents are waking up, obviously, but it, there's, there's so many other implications. So let me ask you about this part of it. We have a lot of friends, I could name many in particular, that have reached out to me. Charlie, my 16-year-old daughter is depressed. And her new normal is just depression, sadness, no hope, no idea kind of what to do. 
um, anxious all the time. We're seeing this reflected in the numbers. I'm sure you're seeing this as well. What is the driving force for that? Especially, what what it, is it just a lockdown? Is it just all the nonsense of negative propaganda? Or are there other things, other elements at play that have kind of created the most depressed generation in history? Well, I'm going to maybe surprise you by saying that depression and anxiety were on the rise even before March of 2020. And it has to do a lot with social media. It has to do with cell phones, particularly smartphones. 2007 was when the first iPhone came out. I remember because I graduated from medical school that year. The iPhone 1, I guess it wasn't called 1 at the time. Now we're at iPhone, what, 10, 11, 12? They become more and more sophisticated, more and more powerful, more and more difficult and obtuse to understand by adults, whereas children just pick them up really quickly. Children are living essentially in a fantasy world. Uh, they are not challenging themselves to go outside, to touch things, physical objects, other people, to speak, to see faces. This all started way before spring of 2020. The problem is that after spring of 2020, we simply accelerated the same direction. It just sped up. It sped up by a factor of 10. So what I expected to see in 10 or 20 years, I was seeing in about one year. And it's because of a confluence of terrible, terrible decisions by adults, by government, by bureaucrats, and obviously by parents as well. Sequestration, antisocial distancing, mask wearing, and literally scaring children, scaring them into believing that a normal, healthy life filled with normal, healthy risk is not only dangerous, it's actually anti-virtuous, it's immoral. Yes. Children have been brainwashed into believing that the life that they're living now, which is pathetic, literally pathetic, it is a life of obsessive compulsive disorder, it is mentally ill, that that life is not only safe, it's actually virtuous. This is the life that you should lead. And if anyone isn't leading it, shame on them. Don't let your kids spend the night at that kid's house. That kid is running around like a crazy person threatening to kill grandmother. This is a cabal. It is, it is very sick, it is evil, it is completely avoidable. And it is entirely the fault of adults. You made the best point, which is the projection. Uh, children are consumers or of information, data, circumstances, language, habits. They largely do what they're told. And so it's projected upon them. And this kind of forced the hand. And I agree. I think that it, it was totally on the rise before the pandemic. And it answered my question um, very clearly. And so I want to ask this part of it, which is, kind of to connect a political part of this. I know that you're not going to be political with this, but I think it's just generally interesting. What does a country look like that is full of a bunch of antisocial behaviors and tendencies? Well, I wrote a Substack column, my very first one at the end of December. I've written three more since then. I'm posting my next one tomorrow. And that Substack is called Dissident MD, meaning one who opposes the, the administration in the Soviet style. And, and that's really what I'm doing. I'm, I'm offering oppositional views to what's considered the common accepted narrative on the national level. And the title of that substack was sadism, the next step in the pandemic of fear. What we are seeing now is the emergence of sadism, the intentional infliction of cruelty and humiliation on others simply for our own perverse pleasure. You saw it just yesterday with the posting of a video by two Karens, two, I assume, liberal, 
I don't know what their age was, probably in their 40s, white women with masks on in an elevator in New York City berating a black man That's right. for not wearing a mask while yelling Black Lives Matter in his face. The man is, is, is more stunned than scared. He's yelling out, did you just hit me? What on earth is going on here? They looked possessed. They looked psychotic. This it, is what our future looks like, Charlie. Well, this is I, where we're going. I'm, I'm going to get in trouble, but this whole thing is a tyranny of white liberal women. It just is, okay? It is. And, and so talk about that. I'm going to get in trouble for saying it. I don't care. Come after me. But you agree. Tell me why. In my book, United States of Fear, I have an entire section on Karens. The Karens are largely white liberal women, often in suburban areas, but they also exist in the urban areas. They are hysterical, absolutely hysterical. Now, my, my opinion, my view on why they've become hysterical is not just due to their own faults. It's also due to the failings of men. I believe that men have largely abandoned their masculine responsibilities. They've left a vacuum of protection, courage, leadership so in our true. culture. And women have jumped in. Now, conservative women are fine jumping in because they're used to jumping in. They're used to protecting and cooking and cleaning and going out with the gun and taking care of the, of the livestock women they go to church they're 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 stalwart they don't they don't depend on the government when their husband isn't around they depend on themselves and their neighbors in their church what do white liberal women depend on they have nobody all they have is 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 the top up there and it's not god it's bureaucrats and government so men have left them men have disappeared they jump in they fill the void they become hysterical literally they've lost their minds they are they're almost possessed in a certain way and they go crazy trying to control their environment by yelling at people who differ from them. And it's not just control because they, they want to order people around. It's because it gives them a sense of purpose and meaning and allows them to feel that they have power yes. because they inherently feel powerless. They are dependent on the government. And now the men have left them. So where do they turn? They turn towards controlling everyone else. Well, that's exactly right. They have a yearning to be an autocrat. And what better way to find purpose than to go try and invade Poland or whatever, right? I mean, that's an, that's an extreme example, but it's true, right? Like, if I can't invade Poland, I'm going to scream at some black guy in an elevator. It's the same sort of psychological impulse, right, that made Alexander go east endlessly to India that also has some crazy woman screaming at someone in the elevator. So yes. we have two minutes in this segment. I'm going to focus on the male aspect of it. Why are men so weak? Well, what is, what is it with this kind of betaization of the American male. Has the American culture become too feminine? Is that why we've had such an awful response to this? The American culture has been largely feminized and also neutered. I have two 17, 27-year-olds in my practice, one male, one female. The 27-year-old woman has come to me and she said she's very attractive, beautiful, smart, intelligent, very dateable for someone in that age group. Where are all the men? What happened to them? Nobody looks at me. Nobody asks me out. I am alone. I am miserable. I am depressed. Well, the answer is the 27-year-old male patient who comes in the next day. I can't find any women. I'm scared to ask them yep, out. That's right. I'm on my phone playing video games and masturbating at home and flip-flapping on Hinge all day long. Do you know why? Because he was falsely accused of rape by a mentally ill young woman at his frat house two years ago when he was in college out of state. And he went through two years, two years of court cases and several hundred thousand dollars of attorney's fees in order to extricate himself from this. He is frightened. He is scared. He does not want to go after women in a masculine way and say, I like you. I desire you. I want to date you. Because if he says anything like that, he may end up becoming arrested again. 
And it's not just that instance. I guarantee you when things like that happen, it, it's like a virus, get it, to the hundred other men that he knows or the thousand other men. They all see that as a societal signal, right? So because, you know, use those exa- I use those examples of people say, oh, no, that's just a one-off thing. Like, you don't understand. When that happens in a community or in a campus, everyone hears about it, false accusations, and it creates this retreat towards feminization, which might answer why we have the gayest generation in history. And I'm not saying that as a pejorative. It just is. It is the gayest generation in history. Forty percent of young people are either lesbian, gay or transgender, according to Arizona Christian University. Dr. McDonald, we have one more segment left. It's United States of Fear. I could go even deeper on this, and it's super interesting and honestly really important because we are living under this mass formation psychosis. Ooh, you're not allowed to say that. Well, we're going to talk about that in the final segment because I'm super interested. Charlie Kirk with Dr. McDonald. Be right back.